reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 39, Text 34. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Gopyas Chadayatam Krishnam Anuvrajya Nuranjita Pratyadesham Bhagavata Kanchandyas Chavartastira With his glances, Lord Krishna somewhat pacified the gopis. And they also followed behind him for some time. Then hoping he would give them some instruction, they stood still. Omigana timarandasya gananjana shalakaya taksur unmulatamyena tasmai sri gurave namaha Sri Chaitanya Mano Bishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vanshakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Vayevacha Patitanam Pabane Bhyo Vaishnave Bhyo Namo Nama Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Siadvaita Gadadhar Shivasa De Gaur Bhaktavrinda. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So I was speaking this morning how in the Bhagavatam itself, right in the second verse, it describes the speciality of the Bhagavatam and then says, what is the need for any other book? And what the Bhagavatam contains, it's such a beautiful compilation of, of philosophical points, but it also contains what we call is the priogena. I described several times that there's, <coughs> there's three aspects of philosophy. There's a metaphysics, a description of what is reality. And on the path of bhakti, we say there's nothing but God. And because God has energies, parasya shakti vividaya shuyate, um, um, he has energies. It's God and his energies. Shakti and Shakti Man, the possessor of energies and energies, and the exchange. Mayat Chitada Pasa, God is exchanging with his energies. Um, then there's a method of realizing that, which is devotion. And the reason it's devotion is because that ultimate reality is a person. 
And you can only know a person if you inspire that person to reveal themselves to you by your mood of love, which is best expressed in seva or service. And then, hey, hi, Krishna. Come on. Thanks. Yeah, sit down. My audience is here. And then there's a, another part of philosophy is, what is the ultimate result of the goal? That's called the Piojana. What is the ultimate goal? And our ultimate goal is when we understand the absolute truth, because we have a relationship with the absolute truth, then we feel love. And Prabhupada said, when that happens, then we should be thrilled at every moment because everything is God's energy. And we'll feel that that connection with God. So the Bhagavatam presents that full manifestation, that full experience. It gives you the tools to understand what the reality is. It gives you the tools to um, it gives you the means to realize that ultimate reality. And it gives you a vision of what that uh, what the experiences of the ultimate reality in a way that you can have that experience by hearing about it. So it, it's such a complete and wonderful book. And, and now we're coming to the, the, the culmination of it, really, which is the highest feelings of, those, of that love. Um, and specifically the feelings that God himself wants to experience to be complete in his enjoyment. Because enjoyment is love, and love is always relish from two perspectives, the lover and the beloved. So we generally have the conception of God being the beloved, and his devotees are the, are the lover of God. So God also becomes the devotee of himself. And again, this is not a question of, it, it, it's presented historically, but it's an ontological reality. Are we discussing this this morning? Just like there's always in philosophy, a question of, well, for some people, well, the origin, how we've come here. And I, 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 I read something by Bhaktivinoda Thakur that really impressed me, where he said, you know, you can't, approach that subject through the dirt of words because words reflect our experience here but god is inconceivable god is beyond time time cannot rule god time is so absolute it's absolute because it's god <laughs> but it doesn't rule god God is not under time. 
So you talk about origins, we're, we're with God and we come here and then we say when. Origin means when. You can't talk about when. It comes from a, 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 a realm that's beyond time. So um, anyway, the Bhagavatam presents this beautiful presentation and, and Oh, so therefore, I was explaining the same thing is, is, is the, you know, it's not a historic, just a historical event that God becomes his own devotee. It's an eternal event. Because <laughs> there can never be a time where he didn't have that experience. Otherwise, he, God means the supreme enjoyer. Why? Because what's the use of being the supreme controller if you're not the supreme enjoyer? What are you going to move things for? Why will you move reality for if it's not for bliss? So God has to be the supreme enjoyment, and the supreme enjoyment is love. And to experience love fully, you have to have God has to have that experience of the greatest love. And what is the greatest love? Twasmin, parama, prema rup. The greatest love, the greatest form of love, is the God. So we can't deny that experience in God. I'm wondering if the, because I, I, I'm, I'm not so familiar with Christian theology, if, if that's something of the idea of Christ, right? There's a trinity. God has all these experiences, not just of as the father. He has the experience of the son. He has the experience of, uh, you know, and what, what is the, the experience? What is Jesus? It means love of God. What did he spread? Love of God. What did he have? Love of God. <laughs> so God has to have that experience. And our understanding of that experience is, is, is Chaitanya. And now we're describing that experience which God wants, the highest love of himself. And what is that? that that's represented by the gopis. And the experience that they're having right now. And what is that experience of love? That Krishna is now leaving Vrindavan. And what are their feelings? And, and, and Lord Chaitanya used to listen to these stories. And, and, and meditate on them. And because it is a... Rasa Vai Saha, the ultimate reality is a drama of love. And somehow when you hear of drama or you experience perfect drama, the feelings come to you. Just as we watch a tragedy, we should be sad. We watch a, uh, I don't know, patriotism means anything these days, but whatever. Anyway, the feelings come. The feelings come. This morning we we, we were we were had a, such a nice. We have Jagannath deities here. And I was able to speak about Jagannath and Lord Chaitanya's experience when he saw. And what is Jagannath? Jagannath's the deity of Krishna in love with Radharani, and therefore experiencing the deepest feelings of love for his devotee. And Lord Chaitanya was in the mood of Radha. 
So when he saw Lord Jagannath, the experience, the emotion was overwhelming. That he, he went Ananda Murcha. He went in, in unconscious ecstasy for nine hours. And somehow Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya was there and he knew the Shastra and it, he could understand that this was a special personality. And the only way you can tell a person in that level of ecstasy is alive is by taking one strand of cotton and putting it by his nose. That actually happened with one of my godbrothers, Srila Gorgovindamaraj. He just went unconscious. They didn't know if he was alive or dead for several days. And then Akinchana Krishna Das Babaji was there and he came and he took out the cotton. And I believe, I, I, I seem to remember this story and he put it by his nose. And um, he said, oh, Baba, Baba, experience of, of, of God's loving energy in your heart. And that's the goal. Prema, Pumartha, Mahan, the greatest goal. Artha means wealth, value, meaning. Greatest meaning, the greatest value. Prema, Mahartha, Maha, Artha, the greatest value is love. And the greatest value is the highest love. So that's experienced by the gopis. And, and now they hear that Krishna is leaving and they become extremely, extremely distressed. And their body starts to go through all types of symptoms because when there's emotion, there are symptoms. But this is the atomic bomb of emotion. So they have, they have this experience and, and, and their limbs even become contracted in their body in the same sense their clothes become loose. All of a sudden, their belt and their clothes, and then they become very, very pale. And then they begin this intense remembrance of the instructions Krishna gave them or the words that Krishna gave them that manifest through his affectionate smiles. And we described how these feel, why should, they, why should these experiences not be in the absolute? There's that wonderful picture of when a soul comes to the spiritual world with Krishna and Krishna greets him. And then he sees Krishna and all his senses become eyes. So how do all your senses become eyes? If you smell a rose, you see a rose. If you hear the voice of Aretha Franklin, you see Aretha Franklin. So all his senses became eyes and the soul collapses. The body can't contain that ecstasy. And we see that here, a strong emotion that people faint. How emotion, a strong emotion, but now there's love of Godhead. And then God seeing that his devotee has come back to the spiritual world or manifest in the spiritual world in his sonorous voice, 
says, my dear, with love. The, and the devotee awakens. The devotee awakens and then, then God said, Krishna says that in his voice, which is the most pleasing experience. Because we know how people like music, they like sound. This is the supreme sound. The voice of God expressing his love to one. And then all the senses become ears. How does sense become ears? You may see a picture of the Beatles and you may hear one of their tunes. And then the, the devotee faints again. And then he wakes up and then Krishna, Krishna said, uh, he wakes up in Krishna's arms and then all his senses feel Krishna. And then eventually, which is called Odharya, the ultimate magnanimity is all the senses hear, taste, smell, uh, see, and feel God, all. It's the ultimate experience. Just trying to give one a, a some kind of concept of if there is a God, what is the experience of being in God's presence in a loving relationship? When he smiles at one, when he says words, napare hum, there's no way I can repay you. And it comes through his affectionate glances. So the gopis are, are remembering that. They're remembering all the activities. And then they become overwhelmed with emotion. Emotion. They start thinking of where Krishna is going and the experience those people have. And these transitory emotions, spiritual jealousy, but not with hate, but somehow these people now are having that experience and then all kind of, and Krishna, he's not going to want to come back to us. And then anger, what are our parents doing? How they're not stopping him? It's all born of this love and it's churning this incredible emotion of, of they had it, now they're going to lose it. And it just keeps on churning. And then cursing out destiny. How cruel. How cruel to give us this jewel. And then just take it away. How can you be so cruel? And then your nature. Naming this person a cruel and not cruel when he's doing it. So it's just constantly. And then. And, and then remembering, we gave up everything for you. We went to you. And just having these sentiments churn in their hearts. And therefore, there's an English saying, love makes the world go round. In Sanskrit, rasa by saha, this ultimate reality is rasa. So... 
he somewhat pacifies them by with his glance. Somewhat. Mother Yasoda, somehow or other, she thinks that Krishna will return soon. They've convinced her that. So she's not at this state, but they're and they they follow him behind for some time, hoping he would just say something to them, give them some instructions. As he departed, the best of Yadus saw how the gopis were lamenting. And thus he consoled them by sending a messenger with this loving promise. Ayasye iti. I will return. I promise you, I will return. Yevad alakshyatate ketur yavadrenu ritasyacha anuprashta pitatmano lekyanivo palakshita sending their minds after Krishna. The gopis stood as motionless as figures in a painting. They remained there as long as the flag atop the chariot was visible. And even until they can no longer see the dust raised by the chariot wheels. So this is the maximum feelings now. He's in the process of, of going. It's actually manifesting. And that energy of feeling of love and connection, it becomes so intense. And that's what God wants to experience. That's what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is meditating on. And they're just motionless. Because that's their life. Without Krishna, they have no life. That's what real love means. We even have some experience in this world that someone's attached to someone who leaves. And it leaves a hole. In Sanskrit, that's called shunyam, zero. The gopis, when they saw Krishna, the Kaliya serpent, it was described as tapta dukam sunyam. They felt zero because there was sadness. They had dukam sadness that was topped them burning. Prabhupada said they were tormented. Krishna is their life. Without Krishna, they have no life. And therefore, they're just standing motionless. Reminds me of Mother Sachi. She loved Lord Chaitanya so much. And then he, he, he left in the middle of the night and then was gone and that was her son but not only her son it was her relationship with god and she just went outside and stood motionless people came she said you can take whatever you want 
Govinda Brahena May, in the Sikshastakam, it says, um, what is it? Yeah, in your absence, you know that? In your absence, there's no meaning in your absence. So, Tanirisa Nivabritur Govinda Vinavartante Vishoka Hani Ninur Gayanta Priyachetisam. They never, they turn back near Asha. Asha means hope. Asha. When the, when the wives of the Brahmins went to Krishna, he saw Chaktva Sarva Asha. Chaktva gave up all hope, material hope. And they came before Krishna and this described, this was their darshan. The darshan is the devotee gives pleasure to Krishna by their heart. And Krishna saw, they gave up all other hope. That's love. That's love of Godhead. They had no other hope. They gave up all hopes. We describe that in Sanskrit, the age of 50 is, is, is Pachas. Asa means hope. 51 is Ekavan. Van means the forest, no hope. No hope. So, Nirasha, they turned back because they had no hope of Govinda Vinivartane. They had no hope of Govinda returning. They had no hope. And what did that feel like? What was that feeling of love like? Vishoka, full of sorrow. Vishoka, Vishoka means sadness. Vishoka means extreme sadness. Brahmabhuta Prasanatma, Nasochati, Nakanchati. No hankering, no lamenting. Extremely sorrowful. And how? And what happened, therefore? Full of this sorrow, Ahani, the days and nights they spent, Gayanta, chanting, Priya Chastatam, the activities of their beloved, is constantly day and night. And that's really what rasa is. Rasa means a, a consuming emotion. That's why in theater, there's eight rasas, there's tragedy. In a, in a world, of, in real tra drama, should, if it wants to give a tragedy, it has to give a tragedy that's rasa, which means the person is consumed by it, nothing else. Or there's romance. If they give a romance, if there's a drama about romance, the person is consumed by romance and nothing else. And if it's a, if it's a drama about fear, then there's, you know, the, the, the horror consumes someone. I don't know why, but somehow or other, the, the, the drama that freaked me out the most of the horror was Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds, 
<laughs> the birds were coming in the house. I, I just remember that. So this was um, consuming. This is right. Why should this not be the ultimate reality? That you're consuming, and it's facilitated by this drama, but it's really the Bob. It's really the consciousness. What's the consciousness? They can't stop thinking. I tell that story. I was in the garden with Prabhupada in Dallas, and they, we, we were reading Krishna book to him, and the gopis Krishna had left or something and the gopis were talking about Krishna and they were complaining about him and they were, you know, saying what a rascal he is and Prabhupada was laughing. They cannot forget Krishna. So this is the ultimate reality. There's a consciousness of absorption in God in love that goes on eternally in terms of Leela or pastimes and drama. And what the Bhagavatam is, it describes that so that we can have some sense of feeling for that and some sense of aspiring for that. They began to spend their days and nights chanting about the pastimes of the beloved. Bhagavan api samprapto ramakrura Yato nipa retaina vayu vegena kalindam aga nasidam. My dear king, the Supreme Lord Krishna, traveling as swiftly as the wind in that chariot with Lord Balaram and Akura. Remember, this was the new chariot. Akura would never sit on it. Somehow, Kamsa wanted to enthuse Akura to come and get. Krishna, so he gave him a new vehicle and he never sat on it. Now he finished his morning duties and he, 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 he's now taking them in the chariot and Krishna and Balaram now are sitting on the chariot and it's going real quickly. He's taking them back to Matra, Narada Muni wants him to deliver his, his parents and to kill Kamsa. Because Krishna, he appears also. Puritanaya sadhunam vanashaya traduskritam to protect the devotees and annihilate the miscreants. So he has some kind of mission when he comes to the world. Mostly, it's puritanaya sadhunam. It's to protect the devotees by nourishing them with these pastimes. This is our this is our legacy. This is our 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 life. This is who we are. Everything else is for this, and we forget that sometimes. It's for this. There is a self realization. There's an ultimate reality. And we're supposed to eventually live in that. But to live in that, we have to become attracted to it. The separation between us and God is simply faith or our, our, our desire. We're separated from another reality by our faith or desire. And what's our faith? It's our desire to become a devotee. 
And the stronger that is, the more it manifests. And when it's fully blossomed, we are there. And this is how we increase it. And there's no other way. We have to hear with faith the Bhagavatam from people who, can, who speak it in a way that is engaging for us. They arrived at the river Klindi, which destroys all sins. That's the Jamuna Aganasinam, it destroys sins. Yeah, the Jamuna. What an experience. I was speaking to my friend Rupa Velas. Well, he lives in England now. And we were reminiscing about going to Vrindavan in 1975 or something. Maybe. 76 or 75 and how the Jamuna was flowing so swiftly that we can dive off the cliffs into its clean water and the purification that one feels it's such a pr pronounced experience it's not psychological it affects the psychology it affects it's not psychological it's real First time I bathed in Radha Kund, the experience was that my false, I told you this before, it was like I was a different person. And what was different? My false ego was in a puddle at my feet and it wasn't in my heart. And I just felt, and I felt so humble. Once you give up that desire for superiority, it clings to our hearts in terms of rationalization, ambition, um, you know, so many feelings are just gone, gone. And then, and when it's gone, it's when you get rid of the false ego, muktir hidva, yita rupa, muktir hidva, when you give up the muktir hidva, the, the false conception of the self, then you're, you're situating the real conception. And, 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 and the real conception is a relief because it's, it's such a burden. It's such a burden to defend the false ego. What people think of us, what we want to achieve, it's mostly what people think of us. Where, where, where we, we, we see I was just reading someone, someone sent me how and why sadhus don't share their bhajan. He said, not doing it for the false ego. They're not doing it to impress people. And that even sometimes they want to bother someone wants to defeat them, they just sign a paper, okay, you won. So It destroys sins. And the root of all sin is not wanting to be a devotee. That's the root of all sins. And what is a devotee? I told you, Pratum the Prabhu, my God brother, gave me the best definition 
what is a devotee? It's one who is in heart available for service. And, and, and we're not in heart always available for service because we have our desires based on the false ego. And therefore service sometimes causes a friction because it's not what we want to do. It's not what we like to do. And that's what bhakti is. Bhakti is a liking for service. Not just doing it, but actually liking it. That becomes your samskara. That becomes your impressions in your heart. So the, the muna purifies that. Tatro paspishya paniyam pitva mrishtam mani prabham vikshasan upavrajya saramo ratam avisit. The river sweet water was more effulgent than brilliant, brilliant jewels. So unfortunate that it's polluted now at least externally. After Lord Krishna had touched it for purification, he drank some from his hand. Then he had the chariot move near a grove of trees and climb back on along with Balaram. So he, he honored it, he took a sip of, of, of water, honoring Kalindi, Kalindi, I forgot what the literal, the son, it's the daughter of something. Akuras, Twap, Twap, Akuras, Twav, Upa Mantra, Nevesha Cha, Rito Pari, Kalindya Radham Agatya, Snanam Vidi, Vanatra. Akura asked the two lords to take their seats on the chariot. Then taking their permission, he went to a pool in the Jamuna and took his bath as enjoined in the Shastra. Now, the system is to actually take bath when you come into Vrindavan. I try to follow that. Anyway, it would just be, um, I don't know, I feel affected by living in America. And I feel clinging to my soul so much <laughs> what I absorbed here. And then, I would go back to Vrindavan and there was such a dichotomy between what that atmosphere, how that atmosphere was moving and where my consciousness was. I felt that. And I would go from the airport right to the Jamuna and bathe. Aga Nashinam, to destroy the sins, to destroy those, to bring me, to qualify me for entering. You know, basically, previously, you know, pilgrimage, you know, people would walk for days. 
And then when they would get to the Dom, oh my God, what it must have been like then. What it must have been like then. You know, uh, anyway, someone sent me an article about the Sabbath. It was just an interesting article because there was this rabbi and way back and he was like a very evolved soul and scholar and he was lamenting because in america there used to be the blue laws you know you couldn't do things on sunday and then and then the commercial interest won out but he described in terms of doing and being that, you know, there should be a day for being. <laughs> it should be a day for being, something like that. I, I skimmed through the article, it was interesting, but it inspired me. And I thought, what would a day of being be for me? And, and I just thought what a traditional Sabbath was. And because where I, where I stay and when I, I'm going to go down to Mississippi, not Mississippi, it's Jackson, New Jersey, not Jackson, Mississippi. I go down to Jackson and, and there's a lot of young Hasidic Jews. So you see them walking to the shul with their whole families on the Sabbath. And, you know, there's no electricity. You know, there's no phones. There's no, they shut off all that they don't drive cars on that you know i think it's like everything technological and i thought okay you know i usually fast on a codice why not just cut myself off from everything no electricity no phones no computers no and just have a day of being a day of being so you know that bath in the Jamuna is a way of bringing you to the to the to the, the sense of being. I was also thinking, you know, the Amish, why they didn't have technology, and why even if there's like even the Mennonites, if they have one phone, it's like outside because they feel these things destroy the family. <laughs> They destroy the family. I saw this interview with Professor Dasti Mahamuni. He was on the Wisdom of the Sages or something. And you gotta admire him. They have a box at the door where they're, they're, his two daughters put their phones. Being. So I think Akadasi is coming up Saturday. I'm see, see if I can just being. If I die for one day without a phone, how pathetic, how pathetic the world has become. And I was just thinking, if you think of everything that's being pushed, even in terms of justice and so, so many different points that are coming up, is there an, is the direction that people go, of course there should be justice, but I'm just saying how things are pursued. 
is it leading to happiness? That should be the standard. And I, I actually wrote something this week called poverty, protest, and the Vedic way. And I was discussing, because I was in Colombia and there was a little tension when we were leaving. And I was discussing why, you know, and what the consciousness is when a mercantile class, because I, I was sent this article by Deva Swami about meritocracy, the idea that everything is dependent on your effort. And if you don't understand karma and understand that it's not just dependent on your effort, there's a destiny, there's a luck, there's a fortune. And in the article described, they did studies that it can make people callous. So I thought that that's the, if, if the mercantile class thinks, oh, it's just by my effort, I'm here, doesn't understand the law of karma, then they can become callous. And when they become callous, then they let the income disparity come to a level where a resentment develops. And then I was describing, but if, if the law of karma, if, if a response to that, people have an idea of the law of karma in response to that conception, that the, the, that the fairness would be equity, that everybody has to be equal. They also don't understand the law of karma because that's not gonna happen. But law of karma, people are not equal. People have different propensities, abilities, et cetera. And when you get to that level, if that's the response, then you get, then, then it has to be forced. Then you just get a new ruling class. It's not mercantile, it's bureaucrats, party bureaucrats. And then the, the potential there is, is to destroy the, the, the people in society who are best suited for production of, of wealth. Then it, so I, I described how, you know, the people who, who have the economic ability, they really have to make sure that the needs of people are met. Otherwise, the whole thing will collapse. But I ended with another point. If you don't have saintly people in society that actually can enlighten people to the nature of the soul, and, and give some per people an understanding that real happiness is internal and allow people to experience that. It doesn't matter what you do. There'll be envy, there'll be resentment, there'll be frustration. Doesn't matter what you do. And that was the Brahmins. There would have to be a class of people who would detach and enlighten. Um, anyway, I'm... I'm I forgot my point, so I'm going to just stop here. Uh, I was going someplace, and you read, you read my Monday morning greetings, you'll, you'll see. Poverty, protest, and the Vedic way. Trying to apply our philosophy of karma to social situation, but ultimately understanding there has to be the spiritual element. Otherwise, there's no solution. But the point I was making, it's ultimately about happiness. That's what people forget. Okay, anyway, I'm losing track now. Okay, anybody? Uh, 
like to say hello to Jamuna Jaya. You remember something from the class here? Yes, Harville. Thank you, Mirage. Um, it's interesting. I've heard you say many, many times um, that bhakti is to make oneself available to in service, but the the words that you added today, available in your heart. I, I really just heard that for the first time. And it's that's that's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? It's not just doing it, but in your heart to always be open and available to service. So that really, that really resonated and struck. The, the thing in bhakti that's so important is, is not just available for service, but actually developing a liking for it. Yes. Yeah, that definitely, that definitely penetrated my brain this morning. <laughs> Thank you, Maharaj. Okay. okay, good. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else like to say hello? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Okay, Gail. Hare Krishna. You know, you know, I always like it when we have things in common. And today it's the birds. <laughs> And that's coming from a person who saw the exorcist, you know. Oh. So, yeah, the birds really did it for me. Really? Yeah. I. I. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How how super soul connects us. <laughs> I. It's amazing. I won't even tell you all the ways. <laughs> but um. Oh, and and another thing, I was thinking, Maharaj. You know, a couple of weeks ago, it was Stevie Wonder. Today is Aretha Franklin. I'm like beginning to think you got so. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really, I'm really on now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Anybody else say hello today? Hare Krishna Maharaj. This is Seva Nandini. Seva Nandini. So nice to hear yeah. from you again. How are things yeah. going? Huh? So uh, much, so much tension, huh? Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, I, I really miss your classes. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And give my regards to your wonderful husband, okay? Oh, <laughs> Dandavat Maharaj. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. We're always remembering you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember him too. Thank uh, you. Thank you so much. Else? Where where are you guys now? We're about 20 minutes away. Great. We'll see you soon. That's gonna be so so nice to see you guys again. Amal is here too. Oh, cool. Okay, see you see you soon. Okay. Hey Christian Garage. Well Govinda. Hey Christian's Braja, thanks for class. Oh, great. Everybody's <laughs> driving, maybe. <they're>... Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. All see right. See you soon. Okay. Great to see you guys. Okay. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Who's this now? Hi, Bo. So, Hare Krishna. It's um it's Andrea and Ian. Hey. We're in the UK. We so were nice last to see you guys again. Wow, that's hey, Maharaj. Yeah. Um, I was just in um Columbia. Yeah. Uh, we were watching we were watching you and Sri Govinda in the classes. Well, they 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 thought of you and they're, they're gonna propose in a week or two a time where you can come down. I don't know if you'll be free. 
<laughs> Whatever we're doing, Maharaj will come. <laughs> we, we, we've been looking really hard at when we can, as of tomorrow, we can leave the UK. It's been really, we've been really not allowed to travel until tomorrow and then it starts. So, Well, I'm we going to... down, they're planning some time where I can go down there and there's a, a, a person, called, I don't know if you know Simon Haas. Yeah, I've mm -hmm. been talking to mm -hmm. um, Sri Govinda and, and um, I haven't read his book, but I've just ordered them because he was yeah. telling me about He's it. Come down. I'm going to come down and we'll, if you're free. Okay. Thank you so much. Great yeah, to see both of you. Okay. Well, last time we saw you was in Jagannath Puri in 2019. Wow. That was a peak, peak experience of our lives, that. So thank you. <laughs> okay. And then Brindavan. Okay. Thank you so yeah. much. Great to see both of <laughs> you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Who is this now? It's, it's Nityangi. Nityangi. Hare Bol. Hare Bol. Okay. I miss the kirtan with you, Maharaj. You're coming to Govardhan soon. Thank you so much. Hare Bol. Okay. Anybody else? Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Namasaki here. Oh, Hare Bol. Good. <laughs> Hare Many Thank representatives you. from the good republic of your country. <laughs> Thank you. And I wanted to tell you that the um, peacock feather of uh, uh, Mahaprabhu is in my altar. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay, yeah. anybody else? Hare Krishna Maharaj, thanks for the class. Oh, Hare Krishna Maharaj. All different places in your republic. <laughs> people are. Yeah, the same place, Maharaj. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Maharaj. You guys are on all the time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Maharaj. Anybody else? Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna Maharaj. It's Karina, oh, Kaylee, okay. and Kaylee. Give me a call this week. Let's catch up, okay? Okay, I will. Hey, well. Okay. Anybody else? Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hi, Ketu. Very nice to hear from you again. Oh, great, great. And uh, is that your backyard? Yes, yes. Uh, your country is just, I just love it. Um, okay, I, I hope to return soon. Okay, and see your daughters again. It was nice that they visited me. That was so nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, Gloria. Hi, Krishna. Okay. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you for the class. Yeah, I want to return. I do want to return. Okay, anybody else? Okay, we will probably end now. Busy day. We have some guests. You saw them coming up, Greg and Jack from the retreat. And then uh, I will go to New Jersey and stop for my incredible feast of the Revals. So anyone whoever wants to come. Here? Mm -hmm. Now? Well, not now, but anytime. Oh, Leela Brindavan is inviting anybody there that wants to come up to just let us know and she'll cook a big feast for you. Simple, but really good, okay? Um,
Leela, yeah. they want to know if you could approach the American embassy and get some visas from the Middle East. I would love to transport them all here. <laughs> you want to say hello to them? Sure. Okay, she'll say hello. Hi, Hi, Krishna. <laughs> Please come, everyone from Iran, from Colombia. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. Hi, Bo. Bunch of couple of